joining. When you do log on, please like, share, comment, leave a little message, drop Gretchen and I a note, say hello. I'm excited to hear from you today, Gretchen, and hear what you've got working on, especially in other awesome. women. We were just talking about women in STEM and women in business, but women in manufacturing specifically. It's been right. this, um, you know, men's industry and a male dominant industry. And so I'm curious, like, how did you get into this and how did yeah, you get it's a very exciting out? time. So yeah. you mind introducing yourself and tell me a little bit about what you've got going on. Sure. Thanks. And thanks so much for having me. We've been trying to put this together for a while, so I appreciate you being patient with me. But um, yeah, I'm Gretchen Filia, and I'm founder of USA Loves Manufacturing, as well as president of Magenta Technologies. Magenta Technologies is an industrial automation and robotics company, and I started that at the beginning of last year in the year of COVID. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but also USA Loves Manufacturing, I've had for over, um, well, close to four years now. And I advocate for manufacturing and technology for the USA and um, got a lot of exciting things going on. So it's a really fantastic time to be in this industry. Okay, when you say advocate, what do you mean? Like, what are some Maybe of the topics you're seeing that come up? And yeah. So, you know, when I began the organization, I did it in a very organic way. I was working for a company that I had been in technology for for quite a while in the cellular industry. I had my own company in the end that um, I was a cellular company that we had stores and we worked with a lot of corporate and government business. And then I started a reverse logistics company because cellular recycling was something that was very important to me back then. I didn't think we were doing enough of it. And then T-Mobile came into the mix and started it and brought it into, you know, the companies themselves, T-Mobile, AT&T, Verizon. So at that point, because I'd been in that industry for so long, even though 5G was very exciting. It was um, M2M and then IoT at the time, but um, okay. I decided I wanted to try something new. And um, I really, you know, I, I started looking and I, I saw a company that was a very small company that looked like, you know, it could benefit from my experience. It was a company called Universal Servo. And um, I started working in that company. They did industrial repair. And I basically worked my way up to director of sales and I helped them revamp the selling of that. And, you know, they stayed in the repair and that was really an equipment and that was kind of their focus. I saw a benefit to also building up robotics, the automation, that's where we're all going. And, you know, it wasn't quite the culture that, you know, was my fit. So I was out, jumped out of there at the end of last um, 20, excuse me, um, at 2020. Yeah, um, I decided to start my own company again. And it's been a really exciting time, even with COVID, because I built so much of a network. And I, I really just had a, a great last year and, you know, looking forward to this year. Okay, so tell me challenges during COVID and what is the tell me what you what are you what are your focuses right now that you're working on in the business? Yeah, there are quite a few challenges. Um, but again, I think, you know, it's I always would say if you build it, they will come. And, you know, that's kind of like the old Kevin Costner filled a dreams quote. And it was almost like a funny quote at the time, but it really made sense last year. 
I had built up my network and, you know, LinkedIn was such a big piece of what I was doing that when people heard that I had, um, you know, gone out and started my own company, they came to me and they wanted to work with me. And it was some of our industrial, what we used to think were competitors, but I always felt like if we collaborated together, you know, there's, there's enough business for everyone, in my opinion. And, you know, if you create a positive environment and you collaborate, then you can win. And, you know, that's what happened. I had some of the top repair automation companies come to me and want to partner with me in certain markets. And I was able to create those partnerships. I've got some fantastic companies, um, industrial repair service. It, um, actually, I need to, can we start that over again and edit that? Because um, I, ICR actually is one of the companies that I work with as well as Motor City Spindle and all those letters get a little confusing, but um, yes, you know, they are working with me right now and we work out of a, we work and build a market. Um, also, you know, I've been very fortunate to be a distributor now for Applied Robotics, which is a fantastic company and a couple other um, like Cobots, Techman, um, that J.H. Foster and I partner with, et cetera. And it's really been a fantastic year as far as that goes. Okay, so tell me some of the projects that you maybe are seeing um, that are very forward thinking. Um, I'll be honest, AI and I'm going to be a little vulnerable <laughs> because I'll just put it out there. I This is something that my brain just doesn't naturally think about. I understand that there's a way to do something. I don't understand how, right? And so sometimes when I see that it's being done, I don't link that, oh, that's robotics or AI, or it can be sped up or automated or, right. you know, so talk to me a little bit about what are you seeing that's really forward thinking um, yeah, in your yeah. industry? It's such an amazing and interesting time because you know, when we looked at robotics in the past, it was very much an industrial way of thinking. And, you know, of course, like the top automotive and the tier suppliers and companies of that nature were using the industrial robots in applications that made sense, you know, like building a car, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Well, Ace Benostegard, of course, the founder of Universal Robots, who to me is the Henry Ford of robotics, was very, very forward thinking. <clears throat> and he thought of Universal Robots with his partners. And what that did was bring in, you know, a, a new way of thinking for robotics and automation. And it opened it up to so many applications. And it's just been such an exponential growth from there. And that's why, again, I truly believe he was the, the nascency of us moving to that next wave. You know, we used to have the agrarian way of thinking. We moved into the industrial way. And Henry Ford was the person known for that. But, you know, Henry Ford actually had advisors at the time that were they were bringing in these way of this new way of thinking. And of course, then he became the name of it because he could build it out. Well, I believe, you know, people like Aisben Ostergaard not only had that way of thinking, almost like a da Vinci, I call it the da Vinci redux, because it's not only bringing in the engineering side, but also the creativity and changing the world. And what they did is they brought in the way of thinking, then they implemented. And now with Cobots, you can do everything from having it stand right next to you to do something that's a repetitive motion 
to, you know, making a pizza and putting it in a pizza oven. And, and that's really an amazing thing because that will change the world. And it will also help us go to that next, I guess you could say almost, we'll never, we don't want to ever go to a dystopian way of thinking. We want to always think, how can we make our lives better? And it's not robots replacing humans. What he and the others have done is really create an environment where we're able to get rid of all the dirty jobs, get rid of the repetitive things that you know are harmful to humans and make it a better world. Um, there are things we can automate that we haven't even thought of today. And you know, with all of the companies with the end of arm tooling, the grippers, et cetera, they're helping also with you know, taking us to that next step. For instance, you know, applied robotics, they are very, very consultative with the way that they do, you know, a lot of their end of arm tooling and the grippers, and they will, you know, fine tune it to what the customer needs. And those type of companies, when they know it's not just a one-stop shop, you know, that we can actually, you know, make these things for these newer applications, that's how we're going to get there, I believe. Okay, so what in all of your experience, right? And as far back, are you still there? Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. My my service is all messed up, and I'm trying to. My Wi-Fi is blinking in and out, and so sorry, guys, if it's affecting oh, yeah. the on the other yeah, side. So, um. That's the world we are in now. We all are doing things and things. Yeah. And honestly, it's one of those that I've just learned to go with the flow because I used to get nervous that it wasn't just perfect. And I mean, I've been in the middle of a meeting and someone starts blaring a music video. And I was like, whoops, that ain't going to (laughs) work. How do I get rid of that? (laughs) So, or the upstairs neighbor starts blaring music sometimes. It's always great. Or my um, son comes through and wants to get a glass of water and the eye starts clinking. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So talk to me about uh, what's your favorite, what's, what really drives you right now in this? You know, what's something that you're really passionate about? You know, there's so many things that I can't even begin. Um, you know, it, it sounds almost silly in some ways, but I always use that hashtag, you know, like kid in a candy store. And that is absolutely how I feel being in this industry. And it's just been the most amazing experience for me. I don't feel like I'm working. I didn't feel that way, you know, for um, so long, even getting into, you know, when I first started getting into it, because I always said, I was able to go out and meet with these companies, these manufacturing or technology companies. And it was just like this, you know, brave new world in a good way, not like the actual, you know, novel. I use that brave new world all of the time. But, you know, the Huxley novel was not exactly, you know, positive, but I believe it is a positive because, you know, we are entering into this next, I call it the next wave. And when you go into these manufacturing and technology facilities, it's amazing to me what they're doing, the engineering behind it and the expertise, and they continue to grow. So that's what I was seeing when I went in every time, like, oh my gosh, you know, this is amazing. And so what I really started seeing was, why are we not talking about this? 
And that really was almost like a reverberation in my mind, like every night. And I have really bad insomnia, but I would think, why are we not celebrating manufacturing and technology? And why are we not celebrating these people that are amazing and that, you know, are taking us to a new way of thinking? So that's when I really started wanting to build up and I started USA Loves Manufacturing. And that's what I get excited about because, you know, that I keep growing and every day going into these facilities. And that's why it's almost like it's not even like a, a job. I don't think yeah. of it that way. That's how I feel. I get to talk to and go in and see so many hemp manufacturing and hemp processing. And that's the piece of this industry that I'm really passionate about, right, is the the manufacturing, what we're able to do with the product, right? It's, and, and with that being said, what we're able to do back for our farms, right? Because right. Our farms, we can't, we wouldn't have it. So have you seen a lot in the hemp industry? Tell me what you've, what you've come across. I, I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because it was a couple years ago and, you know, before COVID I was almost people got to know me on LinkedIn because I was going to so many um, shows. And that was because, again, you know, I knew when I would go to any of the shows, I was going to be able to see the technology and talk to the people, you know, and, and they would be able to tell me what they're doing and show me. And it's all, you know, you could go and see so many new companies. And I started seeing, you know, a lot of the cannabis, the hemp, um, you know, a lot of people that strictly all they were doing was automating the hemp process or, you know, cannabis is such a huge market. Obviously, you know, more than I do everywhere else. Um, and we're just building that up nationwide. And, you know, I'm I'm an advocate for that because I believe that hemp um, if you look at, and I know again, you can, we're going to do a separate conversation about all of this because you are the expert about, um, you know, hemp and cannabis and our applications there. But I noticed that they were automating with these companies. And I have a very good friend. He's in the live sciences arena, Sunset Resources, Alejandro Figueroa. He's, he's again, one of those thought leaders. Yeah. and genius that I just every time I have a conversation, even though we're good friends, I feel like, you know, I am so darn lucky to be able to even engage with people like him. And, you know, he started with life sciences and now they're kind of branching out and they see a lot in this industry as well. And, you know, like, for instance, with the textiles, there's a lot of sustainability and benefits to using hemp versus, you know, other type of, I guess you would say, what Any would you say? Product. Right. Products as, or, as or you alternatives. Yeah. So um, you're the one so that probably you... should tell us about what you're seeing in that arena. Oh, there's tons. And we talk about it all the time, right? But I'm kind of curious as you were talking and this this just might as you're speaking, I'm like, oh, this this is another platform, another avenue where we as as a global hemp association or our members and the, the number of people that show up to our, our meetings, right? Um, connections could really provide value to people in the manufacturing associations or events, right? Because they're the ones that are creating these products, look 
looking for new new ways, uh, new ways to be more sustainable, right? right. More cost effective, more more earth friendly, or you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, so I I actually was just thinking how beneficial it would be, and how much I would love to collaborate and be able to be a go to resource for people that are are in this arena or in this piece of the supply chain, right? Um, are you seeing when you go to events, are they, what type of events do you attend? What type of meetings and you know, where did you really go? When you talk about growing your platform or growing your network, um, what did you do? And I think this is good for people to hear. Right. This was actually, of course, before COVID. So yeah, oh, yes. that was a, a lot. It was very different than what we see today. Um, you know, I was going out to a lot of the trade shows. And again, because when I started working in this industry, you know, I was working in the industrial repair. And, you know, that was very close to what I used to say about when I worked in cellular. I loved the cellular industry and I was so fortunate to be in that um, from not the very beginning, but pretty much, you know, a very early stage. And I started working at a company just to sort of segue into the answer. I worked for a company called Nextel, which was an amazing yeah. company and fantastic people. And it was one of the best corporate cultures I've ever been in. But, um, you know, I started and I worked with another top salesperson to build an agency. And then we moved on to, you know, I guess, build that out. And what I always said about cellular and the reason why I stayed in it so long is I could throw a rock and hit someone that would be my customer. And, you know, I meant that at the time, every single company, business, technology, however you want to say, you know, what that was needed cellular. And, and we were right, because look now, everyone has a cellular phone, everyone. So, and then of course the technology too, with um, what was M2M and now it's IOT and now 5G of course, is we have to be smart connected. That comes from cellular essentially. So yeah. it, it was an amazing time. So when I started in this industry, I said the same thing and it was a very simple statement, but it's so true. You know, I throw a rock and there is a customer or a potential customer because manufacturing and technology, think about it. It touches absolutely every piece of our life. And it starts from the very beginning, you know, it's there at the nascency of, you know, where we are. So that's why it's so exciting. And I would go out to the trade shows and every single company, every type of trade show, I was meant to be there and I needed to be there because I could get business from it. But of course, I also enjoyed it. So that was the main thing, being out there, focusing and just did you being in the moment? Did you pick, tell me the types of trade shows, right? We have CBD trade shows. We have hemp trade shows. We have tech trade shows, automotive. Where, where was your focus or how did you kind of decide? I mean, I went to so many trade shows last year. There well, are. Yeah. I went before. Right. So yeah. yeah. Talk to me about where you're. The beauty, I guess, of, again, manufacturing and technology is there's a lot of trade shows. And, you know, like, for instance, right when COVID hit, I was down in Orlando 
and um, I had started heading down there and was just north of Orlando because I was going to be helping with media for Made in America. It was going to be this huge conference. I had been media, a small part of the media the year before. Fantastic group. And um, they're actually going to be doing another conference now, and it's going to be in Kentucky this fall. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but I was at a retreat because we were kind of getting to the point where we were thinking about the show and, you know, kind of talking more about Made in America. They just started their nonprofit. Um, then I moved on down to Orlando where I was going to be part of the big HVAC. Um, I was going to attend that show. And the reason why I say that is because it's like, why that? You know, you're not in that industry. But who makes up, you know, HVAC? There is exactly. I mean, various companies. There's one in our backyard, Bitzer, and they have, you know, the ammonia compressor. And those are all manufacturers or technology companies. And when I go to these shows, that's who make up. You know, I was at the poultry show. Um, it's a huge show in Atlanta. That's a ton of manufacturing. You know, they're making these processes. And a lot of them need to automate. And, um, you know, like, of course, all of the typical shows that we have that, you know, Pack Expo or just yes. um, so many. And we're still not there. We're not opening up yet. Um, a lot of them are virtual. And the virtual shows just aren't quite the same. They're not the same. No. So I have a question because I've, I've seen a lot of benefit to Zoom, right? And I'm like you, I went from hosting live events and traveling all over the nation to mm -hmm. all of these expos. And I, I mean, my, for the first time, I finally bought TSA and Clear and used it from January to whatever we shut down. And then I was like, the, I finally decided to buy it and do it, right? And, now yeah. I, and then I couldn't use it. And so, um, but, the relationships that I've been able to build, like when I, I just went to NoCo Hemp Expo, which you should go to. I would love to invite you or go with yeah, you. Yeah, I would love to go. A hemp expo, not this. Well, both CBD and hemp, we're going to see manufacturing and we're going to see a lot of technology. But um, I, I'm really focused or have been really focused on the industrial side because of the biofuels and the plastics and everything else, right? Construction materials, the grain. Um, right. With Zoom, though, I feel like I've been able to meet a lot of people, and then when I when I actually see them, I feel like I have a relationship where I wouldn't have had that relationship had we not made this shift, right? So I feel like it moved things further along, but you're still not bridging this gap or closing right. that. You know what I mean? It's very different, and it's also very different when I'm in a room of 50 people. I can intimately have a conversation or a private conversation with all 50 people, and on a Zoom call, I can't. I talk right. to the group, not personally. And so I miss that piece really bad. I do too. I think that, you know, there are certain things that we've got going right now. Like you said, it really has taken us to a, a new way of thinking. And it's in a very exciting because of that. So in a lot of ways, COVID has just been decimating and, you know, I don't go down that path because, you know, I'm I'm the type of person that it really, you know, it really affects me to think about how people are affected emotionally, like children, et cetera. So I, I try to stay on the positive side. 
and the positives, there are positives, positives to what has happened. And they're huge positives like Zoom, like absolutely what you just said. That's very succinct in what's going on. It does create the relationship. So if you think about it, when we branch back out and we can start attending, absolutely, you can do a Zoom call and you're able to create that instant engagement between you know each other. And then when you meet them, it's only more of that next step. Now, I do believe sometimes Zoom is used a little too much because some calls can easily just be like your typical three-way call and, you know, you don't have to be on Zoom. But I also believe it's very similar to kind of where I got to where I did very quickly. And it's because I was on LinkedIn, you know, and of course I built that out and people started connecting with what I was doing with USA Loves Manufacturing and they knew that, you know, I felt that I felt and was very organic in what I wanted to put out there. And it was absolutely what was going on in my mind. So they they knew that because they see the posts, they see the videos, they knew that there was a truth to it. So they wanted to reach out. And when we started having these conversations, I had a few of them say, you know, I loved seeing, you know, what you were doing on LinkedIn. And, you know, that's how it began. But then it was amazing how when we actually met, you really know what you're talking about. And, you know, that's how I got some of these distributorships that companies, it, it took them over 10 years to get something like this. And, and that's where I believe there's a huge benefit to putting your face out there and that interaction. I do. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. And I think that more and more the yes manufacturing is very technical but it's also still very handshake um you know it's still very relationship focused and i think that you know when we get in i compare it a lot to our farmers you know a lot of that equipment that's being used or manufacturing is being sold into industries that they're not spending time on zoom it is a face-to-face um where where do you think the what message do you think is needed to bridge the gap to bring more hemp into the to being to into the manufacturing sector or i guess piece of the supply chain because it's not really an industry right but you know what i mean it or is it and and i almost i almost don't feel like hemp is i would say like hemp is one of those things that it's not it it will be in every aspect of our lives from our homes to our housing to our food, our animal food um, or feed, it's it's everywhere. And so um, it's funny that manufacturing and technology are are right where you're at because I feel I really yeah. feel like it's the same place. I'm very excited about what hemp is doing, and you know, this is the way I equate hemp and CBD, obviously cannabis, how THC, however you want to put it. Cannabis. It's all cannabis. <laughs> yeah. We looked at it, you know, when we were younger, we all looked at it a completely different way. And, you know, it was very interesting how I was looking at, and I should put it up as almost a joke. I was at a um, general store and as a joke, they had one of those 10 signs and the sign said cannabis the scourge of your youth. And, you know, of course it was like this big thing as a negative. 
And, you know, we have all of the ways of thinking from the past that, and there's the ice going, right? <laughs> I told you. Um, but at any rate, um, viewers, that's just a, someone putting ice in the glass. At any rate, um, and it was funny because this, you know, sign was from the 20s or so. And that was like the way of thinking. It was just, you know, a, a huge negative. And, but now we know that there are so many benefits and there's so many positives of these chemicals. And the way to use them responsibly is really a huge thing. And I am an advocate for these products and hemp because to me, is it not just, it's almost like one word, hemp. Remember the movie, what, you know, like the graduate yeah. one word plastics, plastics mm -hmm. took over the world. I believe hemp is the, and this is just a, completely my only, my thought, but I do believe hemp is a complete parallel to plastics. And I think that is what we will see for the rollout. And I mean, I'm curious about what you think. I think you nailed it. That's exactly where <laughs> I've been saying we're, we're at the forefront of another industrial revolution. Absolutely. I agree. And, and that's is, why I'm very excited. I think you put it right in line. You know, when people say all the time, I mean, I'm trying to find where my, of course, they're not in here. They're out on my counter. But I have jars and all different types of plastics made from hemp all from sheets to bags to jars mm -hmm. to biodegradable to not biodegradable to but all made out of hemp right and i think that it just it was my aha moment when i realized that plastics have been around as long as hemp has been banned and i'm like yeah. oh. you know this is and, and and the fact that we can make the same things at it's so much better for our planet and it really it provides another opportunity for our farmers you know, again, well, we go back to how do we feed our, true. how do we feed our people? How do we take care of our rural our areas and fix what we've done? <laughs> well, it's funny because if you think about plastics before, you know, it, it was a, a thing, you know, there were many different natural things that we did and plastics, there's a huge positive to plastics as well. And it's a matter of, you know, changing the makeup we will never be rid of plastics because again, I believe there are positives to that industry and it's just, and there are people that are very much wanting it to be a sustainable and a green energy. But, um, you know, going back to hemp and, you know, how plastics took over the world and hemp is going to be such a big piece of the world moving forward. It's, you know, plastics, textiles, energy there's so many pieces of it that um, food that we're going to be able to use hemp for and again that is a way for us to support our farmers and to support small business and build it out from there and also nutraceuticals and you know there's just so many ways to talk about it and it does come down to the manufacturing and the technology and i the only thing i would say is I hope we can find a way to continue to educate and advocate so people see when they hear hemp, it's not because we're all wanting to go out and, you know, to the back and smoke, you know, and 
it, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a product and an ingredient that can help move America forward. Um, okay, so I have a couple of questions. This is mm -hmm. when you're in your element, right? What are people in manufacturing talking about about hemp? Like, what is it that they know? Um, and I'm curious because I want to know how do I bridge this gap? How do I really bring the right education to them? You know what? It's kind of unfortunate, but there's not a lot of conversation. Okay. And that's just, I'm just being truthful. And that's so what I hear you, what I heard you just say is there's an opportunity, lots of opportunity. A lot of opportunity. Very much so. Cool. And, cool, cool. you know, I think you're in a perfect position because, you know, the Global Hemp Organization and what um, you're involved in and what you're doing, it's something that can really expand out because we want people to know and we want to educate and we want manufacturing and technology to see the new innovation. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what we have to do is just educate more. Absolutely. Okay. I want to go back to the last conversation too. We were just having when we were talking about uh, manufacturing and the technology what we haven't really touched on that. I see the biggest benefit around hemp is being able to reshore mm -hmm, keep right. manufacturing back in the, in the U S right. Um, yeah. And not even just in the United States within rural areas, allowing and creating jobs and new I mean, something like 25,000 new products or 20,000 new products are going to be manufactured or made out of hemp, right? Mm -hmm. And so the jobs that we can create and the opportunities for rural areas to have facilities, manufacturing facilities. Um, talk to me about what, I mean, U.S. loves manufacturing. That tells me that's really where your passion is, right, is U.S. manufacturing. And not just U.S. manufacturing, but what about U.S. sourced? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it is a big passion because of exactly what you said. When I um, when I initially thought of it, it, again, it was to celebrate the fact that this is such a big piece of what we're doing. And, and I just started a new global series and um, South Carolina Manufacturing Organization is a big piece of kind of the rollout because I am um, my column Fabric of America is going to be in their digital magazine and we're rolling it out um, to other organizations, any type of state organization or technology um, manufacturing hemp organization where the column is going to be in their distribution, email distribution or whatever. So if anyone else is interested, definitely reach out to me. But Fabric of America is to celebrate what's going on right now in manufacturing and technology. And it's not just about larger manufacturing. It's not just about, you know, the Apples, the Googles. It's about the companies that are, like you said, in the rural areas and um, they've built out, you know, a manufacturing facility or where are they going to put that facility? A lot of states here in the South are creating huge tax incentives. For instance, at Georgia, I mean, Georgia is one of the, even though I'm here in Georgia, it's one of the um, states that I think is at the top of that forward thinking. And again, South Carolina manufacturing, that is why I really wanted to get involved with them. 
I had been involved with an organization in Georgia that was a manufacturing organization. And somewhere along the way, about the time that I made a, a change from my other company due to culture, I had that organization basically blackball me from the organization. And I believe it, he was very threatened because he thought I was going to try and take over that particular piece statewide. And I said, it's all about collaboration. It is about everyone working together. If we don't all work together, then we cannot keep the USA where it is today and move it forward. And I actually am very, very big on wanting to celebrate the state organizations that promote manufacturing as well. And South Carolina was one that was very, very forward thinking. And so is Alabama and Florida about, they realize it's about collaboration and they're not worried about someone coming in and doing anything to their, their mix. They want to you know, push out like I do and help yeah. everyone. And that's why USA Loves Manufacturing is important, I think, for the whole nation to keep that collaboration going. Um, there is a hemp event in Florida for hemp growers that I'd love to invite you to. I'll find oh, out awesome. what the date is yeah, that's coming up. Um, but they've done quite a few. They do six or seven a year. This is like, their, I don't know, they've been doing it for a few years, three or four years. Um, but so they've got a pretty good group but they just do you know all over the nation a bunch of small events That's but it great. would be a good opportunity and i would love to start going to more events that you're going to like yeah, it just i see the need oh. for there to be a voice to talk you know and it i would love to utilize those existing platforms where there are already people in that space yeah what a great right. Yeah, and that's why you know I'm really excited about doing the article on you and your organization coming up for South Carolina Manufacturing Magazine, as well as you know, I write for Innovation and Tech Today and um, you know Plastics News. We're going to be doing an article coming up, but I'm also implementing my and starting my magazine, Galvanize, and that was kind of a step back because of COVID, but I'm excited to roll that out. And it's about manufacturing and technology and kind of how we create that conduit to the culture of America too, and the world. So um, there's a lot of exciting things and I believe we should get, you know, what's going on in the hemp industry out to the, the world because they need to see that there is a more sustainable way to do things. Um, a way to make it part of the green energy that, you know, it's interesting because I was part of the United Nations events that were for the International Women's Month. And I had a really good um, group that I was involved with. It was a symposium. And we were talking about the United Nations and what they're looking for and what their mandates are for the future. Mm -hmm. And so much of it is about creating cleaner energy you know, making it a more sustainable, a more ethical, ethical place for everyone. And I believe hemp has its place in that. Oh, absolutely. Well, and my understanding is that at that table around sustainability, hemp is now a conversation, right? Because from yeah. seed to cradle or seed back to soil, it is a much more sustainable or can be a much more sustainable can be 
I think yeah. it's very, you know, there's, there's a lot of pitfalls and there's a lot of mistruth, right? It is a weed and it is drought resistant, but it's not a miracle plant when it comes to save everything. I mean, mm-hmm. there are still, uh, still has to be taken care of. It still costs money. There's still a lot of right. hard work and there's a lot of capital that needs to be put into the industry in order to really get it going, especially in the United States. From being somebody that's not in the industry, right, and talking about it all the time, sometimes I think we that are in the industry get blinders on, right? Um, from your opinion, what's needed to really move hemp to mainstream? You know, understanding what you know about it, and I think you're right on when it comes to, you know, the value on plastics. But where, what do you think we need? What, what needs to happen? You know, I would say, you know, to me, a lot of it is almost legislative as well. And, you know, I think making sure that your voice is heard in D.C. is a big piece of it. Um, And, you know, that part I am not schooled in, you know, as far as like how to create that. But that's what I think would make a huge difference because, it's almost like they always talk about the whole top down. And and I think there is something to that. Like the top industry needs to be on board. Um, but also, like you said, I mean, we need to start from ground up. And when we have, for instance, you know, hemp farmers. And the one thing that I, I see overall everywhere in the industry is we really need almost apprenticeships again. We need mentoring. And that's why I'm a big advocate also for vocational schools, because we have got to get these vocational schools back into a big mix. It creates more jobs. It creates more of a positive culture for people. Not everyone's going to go to college and we can build that piece up. And I think, you know, bringing hemp into all of these pieces and making it part of the conversation is going to be key to, you know, moving it forward more and more, almost like a snowball effect. If you've got it coming from top down and you've got it ground up and, you know, in different industries and in different places, it starts becoming a movement. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, I think that's key. I think you're exactly right. And I think that the conversation has to be had at multiple levels right but i do think that there is a disconnect even in just what you've said right and you're not the first person that said that the hemp is just not a conversation i was speaking to somebody about the textile a large textile organization Mm -hmm. um uh, international and very few people maybe a a handful of, of their thousands of members are involved in hemp and yet in our organization you know i have a small group, say 700 to 1,000 that are heavily involved in hemp. And I think that we forget, you know, that when we get to talking, and I'm sure it's the same with you, you talk about manufacturing all the time, and it's a common common discussion where it's not for others. And so um, today was very obvious to me that there's this opportunity to help bridge the gap. And instead of approaching one-on-ones, I would love to collaborate with you or collaborate and even attend some of the events, you know, that you're attending and just have the discussion about what they're seeing and kind of find out where we can provide the resources and make the connections for a more sustainable, especially if somebody's, you know, injection molding, 
with plastics, right? Now we can mm -hmm. use hemp plastics or an alternative. And just how do we yeah, bridge that? I would love to, and equally as much, I would love to find out from them more specifics about what they need. What do they need from our industry, right? Um, yeah, I, we, we talk and speak to a lot of the uh, spinners and mills, you know, weaving mills and you know, on the textile side, but I am really curious about the plastics. What is what are the specifics? Right. And I think once, you know, you kind of get that going in one group, like for instance, you know, I know the technology is there and it's probably being created every day, but mm -hmm. the more that they have people out there that, you know, maybe they're already working on a textile in, you know, engineering process, but now they think, okay, well, how do we bring in hemp to this? So it's innovation and, and that's almost like bringing it forward too. like make sure that they know this is a possibility. And now we can think about how we can bring that in and, and make it a new product, a new service. We're doing it every day in textiles, for instance, you know, new technologies. So hemp is very key to that. Cool. Tell me about new technologies you're coming across in textiles. It, you know, I, I had I no idea. I had no idea textiles were going to become a passion of mine. <laughs> oh, I know. And it's, it is a huge place to, you know, put some time into because going back to reshoring, you know, I think it was in the early 90s close to 50 something percent of the clothing was still made here in the U.S. And today it's less than 3%. That is amazing. And there, not only is it the fact that that that's not even acceptable in any way, shape or form that we've allowed that to happen, but opportunity wise, it's an amazing time to bring it back and there's ways that we can because how many how many pieces of clothing do you have in your closet today? Right. Quite a few, I'm sure, right? <laughs> Out of all of those More pieces. More than I can clothing, count. <laughs> how, but you know what? How many of those pieces of clothing today in your closet do you wear within a month? I, I, what percentage? I, I, Probably less than 10, if you're like me. So we don't need all of the clothes that we purchase. So what if we were to instead buy, if we didn't buy five shirts that, you know, are all made from, you know, elsewhere in the world, what if we had two shirts that were made here in the U.S. that have fantastic quality and, you know, we can mix and match with other things and, you know, Right. And we know that the money is going back into the United States or into a country that has that certain ethical piece and the ethical workplace that gives back. And that's what's most important. And that's why we have to bring back the textiles to the U.S. And there are a lot of new technologies that are exciting that need to stay here and not, you know, be reshore or moved out to be made somewhere else in China or somewhere. Well, there's no sense in us growing it and then sending all of our revenue to another country I <laughs> and then buying it back from them. You know, right. it's just, uh, it's, 
and, and I think that what happened during the pandemic, when you said earlier, you know, a lot of great things came from this, is it exposed just that. And I think hemp for me has exposed the breaks in the supply chain. Um, mm -hmm. It's educated me completely on offer, new opportunity that created, like, gave me the, um, I guess I, I educated myself. I dove in and was like, wait, what? This is an opportunity to have. And then what it did is it unfolded all of these breaks. And so I, and the correlation between child labor or uh, human trafficking to manufacturing and in other countries and, you know, the labor laws and right. things like that, that just, it, it was, it was a light bulb for me. It was this aha moment as to where I really saw opportunity to bring and reshore manufacturing of hemp textiles. And Absolutely. hemp being a solution for rural areas to provide, you know, better revenue, better yields on their crops that then, yeah, it's just this cycle, but in another direction that is way more beneficial. Right. And, you know, going back to what you were saying about how do we kind of take care of our farmers? How do we take care of, you know, those areas? The way I look at it is, you know, again, COVID did expose a lot of supply chain issues. Mm -hmm. So why would we not think about it from that type of, you know, aspect where right. we have hemp farmers? Where does it make most sense to take that raw product and make it into, you know, something that's going to be made into the next step? Why would we not keep, it always amazes me, not to jump around, but it amazes me when there's a raw product and it's being sent halfway across the United States or out of the United States, processed, made into something, then it's brought back. What is that cost involved? And that's what people aren't seeing. They see that their shirt is $15, but what did it take to get that shirt back here for $15? The shirt, if it was $50, Okay, that seems like a lot to pay for a shirt in theory or 80 but or whatever. People are what doing it. Hmm? People are doing it all the time. I know. They're but just, what if that shirt yeah. lasted, if it was a t-shirt even, what if that t-shirt lasted two years versus, and I know because there are certain places I love to shop that are the discount places, you know, like that, you know, they do actually have decent clothing. But how long does that shirt last? Mm -hmm. And what I'll do when I go to this, well, to Target, which I love Target, but if I see a shirt that I like and the shirt is $10, I'll buy three of those shirts because I know it's not going to last that long. But mm -hmm. when I buy from a company, for instance, like an American Giant, American Giant, that T-shirt lasts for I mean, I think I have one that I wear that I've had for way over two years mm -hmm. and I don't just wear it once in a blue moon. So that's what you have to look at. And again, where does that money go? It goes back into the United States or to a country that does have sustainable practices, ethical practices that, you know, they're looking to build and focus on the you know the world as far as like how can we make it a better place not that they want to put the toxic chemicals into the stream and it doesn't get you know taken care of or regulated those are the things we have to look at 
because the world, the last I checked, is circular, is global. And what happens there comes here and through the atmosphere or however you want to look at it. Or it you know, happens to trickle down into culture. So that's why it really does matter. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have a question and now I forgot what I was going to ask you. That's me all the time, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm wondering about, oh, the ship that was just stuck. You know, we talk about, you know, our supply chain. Um, and I talk about education, you know, and a lot of why I do what I do and I like talking to other people like yourself is to educate. And I think a lot of the conversation that has to be had is educating our consumers about what it means to be ethically sourced or right. sustainable. And what is, you know, what's greenwashing? And I think that a lot of it is a true education and having real content out there instead of greenwashing. Right. I agree. And, you know, that's why when I first started USA Loves Manufacturing, it was very much a movement about USA, USA, USA. Mm -hmm. And I still believe in the USA, but I do believe in the fact that it's very much like being on an airplane and the airplane is encountering some problems and it might go down. What do you do first? And you have to put on your oxygen mask first so you can help others around you. And that's why I believe we do have to build out, reshore, fix what we're doing here first, but then look to also, again, collaboration. It's not just about the United States. That is a very narrow minded way of thinking. And I realize that too. Yes, we want to make and build and build out the USA, but where else? Can we do that in a sustainable, ethical way for the good of, you know, America, for the world? That's you know, Mexico, that's Canada, that's Denmark, you know, Europe, the places where they believe in what we believe and want to create that better world. And that's what I think we need to do moving forward. And I believe that's how Made in the USA becomes more and more what really matters and again building it out to those countries that believe in what we believe well and it's um i think that there's a reason we have a global supply chain right it's our duty to support other countries and there's to support, right. not support but to provide right resources to, to have resources yeah. um but it's one thing to be dependent on it and I think that's where we get into a pinch. You know, earlier when you were saying right. that 97% of our uh, textiles are imported from other countries, you guys wake up. If that supply chain is broken, what are our students or kids wearing to school? Or what happens to the cost of that $1 right. t-shirt you're used to buying? And I think that, you know, I see it already in our groceries. My grocery bill is astronomical right now. It, is, yes. it blows my right. mind. I check out and I'm like, wait, I haven't bought groceries that cost this much since I had nine children in my home. And now I have two and my, yeah, my grocery bill. <laughs> I know. But also you can see it when you shop, you know, when you go and you shop for clothing, there's a lot, or really any product. If you go out today to, let's just say your discount places like your Targets, your Walmarts, and then go to a mall and then go to a boutique or wherever, you'll notice 
they don't have the inventory. And it's almost like it was last year at the beginning of COVID. It still hasn't bumped back up. There are shelves empty at places like Target and Walmart. And it's because so much is being brought into the U.S. and they can't get it because of supply chain. So we can change that. And again, there is a cost that the average consumer doesn't necessarily see when they buy their $10 or $15 shirt, but you're paying for it. You're paying because you're buying the $15 shirt versus the $40 shirt. And you just can't track it as an individual, but it's there. And that's why we have to change it. It's going to help overall. Well, I think that's where your education comes into play. And this is where I commend what you're doing because you hit the nail on the head. And it's something that, like I said, I didn't know I was passionate about supply chain. I, I don't think that the majority of the United States knew what procurement or supply chain even was. You know, right. I mean, somebody that's. I agree. I, I mean, until this. And so I think that you're a leg up because you're years ahead of people. And this is something that has to be discussed and has to be talked about. And well, the beauty of it is, and you know, there's so many people that I depend and learn on, learn from every day. And yeah. I'm really just the voice and I'm not the expert and I never will pretend to be because I don't know everything and any very little of the details that, you know, these other people know. And that's why it was important to me to try and create these ways to get their voices out there as well and do the podcast like you're doing yeah. or, you know, my new video series that I'm putting together. And I'm very excited about that. And it's, it's called Fabric of America. We started out with manufacturing and tech discovery tour. And now I'm just so passionate about the Fabric of America as part of it. So that's what it is, is getting those stories out there to people and, we're all continuously learning. We're in such a new technology age that if you don't learn every day, you're gonna be left behind. Mm -hmm. And you have to accept the technologies. Like again, you know, people are afraid of robotics. They're afraid that the robots will take over the world. They're not going to anytime soon. And, you know, it's only if we are languishing here in the background that someone who is maybe a little more nefarious has the chance to bring that AI application or even robotic application in that could possibly move us toward kind of that dystopian way of thinking versus who are the thought leaders, who are the innovators, the engineers, the people like Anais Ben Ostergaard that not only are looking at the engineering side, but they're looking at it for community and for the world and for the betterment of a new world tomorrow. And that's why we've got to all be cognizant of it or someone else is going to come in and destroy what we have. And that's even more important to the reshoring to all of the sustainable pieces. Well, and really that's what's scary, right? And somehow we've got a light of fire under our under people's right. and and I'll be honest, I wholeheartedly believe our kids are going to change the world if we give them the opportunity to. I and agree. so I'm passionate about getting hemp into our kids' hands <laughs> because if you know, with their brains and their smart minds, they will create the technology if if we don't, right? They will we pay the pave the way. 
and and to make the the change that we need to bring it back shore or to to be sustainable right to survive um without being doom and gloom but really i think it's reality and what we're up against and so Right. It's it's a very exciting time. And I just, I can't wait to be here for every moment of it. God willing. Well, and I'm like you, I want to put a microphone in front of people. You know, I would love to highlight people that you come across that are utilizing hemp or are interested in hemp. I would love to bring them on for a Q and a panel. If we've got manufacturing, you know, because I think what, what needs to happen is we need to bridge this gap and give them the confidence that they're, that it's, it's, that, we have the capability of utilizing hemp, right? And so, however I could help, maybe what we could do is put together some discussion panels on different pieces within the manufacturing space. And I can bring, you know, we can open it up to experts or for people in the hemp industry to kind of discuss it and have these recorded conversations. Um, But really, I think that would be fantastic. And definitely also, you know, even on Clubhouse, I think it's very important to bring Clubhouse into the mix and, you know, that's a whole other way of getting information out to people. And, you know, we're going to be doing some things on that. I'd love to bring you into that as well. So a lot of different conversations and, you know, good ways to get the information out there. So we just have to, you know, continue to do it. Well, and like you said earlier, it's all about collaboration. I'd love to link arms with you and support you wherever I can. Um, I did share your uh, LinkedIn profile and just name and business on the social channels. So if you guys would like to reach out with Gretchen, don't hesitate to follow her on LinkedIn. Um, and then same for you. If you need anything, I'll, I'll send you some invites occasionally to events. Um, if you want to ever jump on and just kind of chat, yeah, see definitely. who's doing what, um, it may give you a great opportunity to highlight some you know, real leaders in the industry. And I can help there, especially for all your articles. You're a yeah. rock star. So, That'll be great. Well, I'm looking forward to it. For sure. Well, thank you very, very much. We'll sign off. It's already been an hour, but thank you guys for listening. And for those of you that um, are looking or, or may have missed it, we share all of our content on Patreon. This is good for you too, Gretchen, if you have questions or anybody else is interested. Patreon is a platform where we can share content or all of our content. We share links, interviews, meetings, Q&A awesome. series, and it's a low monthly subscription from for like $12 to $36, something like that. So lots of lots of info. But um, the full interviews are all posted there and available for people to view. So other than that, you guys, thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Gretchen. See you later.